Today, we find ourselves in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And today, we'll be observing the instructions of a father to a son and a son to his son. And really, the, the text of it, uh, as I've discovered, really, he's not just talking to an individual son. He's really talking to all of his children. Solomon is. But Solomon is saying, I have received this instruction, this wisdom from my father, David, and I want to share this with you. Now, many of you, hopefully, many of you today have received some insight or some nuggets of wisdom uh, from your fathers. Maybe you have, you know. Uh, I have, and I'm very grateful for what my dad has imparted to me. Now, granted, I wish I was a better receiver of the wisdom he has imparted to me or uh, have better ability to retain what the Lord has given to me uh, by having such a good dad. Um, but I am grateful for what little bit that I have retained. And I believe most of us would say that either directly or indirectly, we have gained knowledge and wisdom from our fathers, whether that be through direct conversation or modeled life choices. We, we can see that. Sometimes those model life choices, unfortunately, might not be very good, but we can gain wisdom from the things where they had successes and from the things where they had failures. So we can say thank you, God, for allowing us those opportunities. And Solomon writes the majority of the Proverbs, as, we are, as you're finding your way there to Proverbs 4, Solomon writes the majority of the Proverbs we find in the book of Proverbs. And Solomon is highly considered to be the wisest man to ever live. The wisest man that ever lived. And as I look around this room this morning, I see many uh, people who have so much life experience and wisdom. So much life experience and wisdom. And from this life experience and wisdom, the younger of us should be benefited by your wisdom. We should benefit from that wisdom. In Titus, Paul, we have Paul writing to a young man named Titus who is leading a church, and he tells him that men should be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, uh, sound in love, and sound in patience. That's, that's what should define a man in the church, a godly man that's leading his family well and in the church. These are some uh, definitive things that should be known of him. And men that have such wisdom practice these disciplines. Men that have these, this wisdom practice these disciplines of being sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, sound in love, and sound in patience. Men that practice such disciplines should share how they overcame sin, self, and Satan to be worthy, to give instruction worth receiving. Men, if, if, if we've got something that we have received, something that we have come through, we've gained knowledge in that area, and hopefully not just head knowledge, but we've gained wisdom that we can impart down to that next generation. And we need to do so. We need to make sure that we are sharing what we have experienced with that younger generation. Not to boast if it's a negative thing, not to boast in the negative, but to boast in the Lord about how he taught you something, how he brought you through, how it made you a better man for the work of, the, of God. In today's culture, you know, we're inundated with poor examples of fathers. We are. We have poor examples of fathers. Many of them are out picketing. Uh, for abortion rights. <laughs> you know, they, they want to go out and they want to, you know, be, be loose, have loose living and all this kind of stuff, and they want to vote and promote and say, we need to have abortion rights for women. Well, you know why those men want that? 
It's because they just want to freely be able to go and be promiscuous with any woman they want to with no responsibility tied to that. That's not a man who needs to be a father. And there's many in our culture today that are poor examples of fathers. And we, of all men, men should be stark contrast to those thoughts and ideas. That should not be us. And you know, many of you in this room, I don't want you to think that this is just a sermon to men or for men or whatever, but many of you here are not men or fathers. David A. Hubbard reveals that the word son is a plural form of children, showing that Solomon was very likely speaking to all of his children, not just his son or one in particular. So when he comes, when we come into this text, he says, matter of fact, the New King James says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father. Because the original language is more of my children. It's not just to his son, but like in the King James, it says, Hear, my son, the instruction of a father. But the language in that word originally comprised all of the children of the home. So sons and da- as sons and daughters, you know, we are to honor our fathers and mothers as is given in the Ten Commandments. So when instruction is given and through the Lord, we should listen intently and apply thoroughly their words of wisdom. Their words of wisdom. Let's, if you have now found your place, I've given you plenty of time to find Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Solomon writes, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, He also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, that is wisdom, and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. I think Solomon makes it adamantly clear that we need wisdom and understanding in our lives, each and every one of us. So the first thing that I want us to look at in this portion of Scripture today is that Uh, Solomon is giving this instruction. So he's saying, I want you to receive this father's instruction. When we steward wisdom, we will receive a father's instruction. In all of verses 1 through 9 that I just read is Solomon imparting this wisdom onto his children. And he tells them, hear my children. Three ways Solomon calls for instruction to be received is by hearing, giving attention, and not forsaking. Hearing, giving attention, and not forsaking. We all need to be listening to what those who are wise have to share with us. All we need to give attention, we all need to give attention to them as well. That means sometimes turning off the TV, setting the phone or the device down, Turn your eyes toward them, face them. Then once you have heard, don't forsake what you've been instructed. Now, granted, this is talking about wisdom and knowledge. And so many a times this is going to be focused from an older generation to a younger generation. 
saying, I've learned this. This is an example of which I've learned. But when I'm talking about giving attention, many a times we are not good at giving attention to one another. And when I ain't ta- I'm not talking about false attention or anything like that. I'm talking about having a true conversation. Maybe some of our older generation could show us better how to pay good attention. Because us in the younger middle section and younger, we're not good at that. I'm just going to be flat honest with you. We're multitasking and we're wasting a lot of our focus, if I could just be blunt honest. Most, I can't speak for our older generation, but I feel like for my age and under many a times, unless you got little ones that you're really having to wrangle, most of the time, the TV's on something. It may be what the kids are watching. It may be what you're watching. I don't know. The phone's in the hand, and you're also trying to hold a conversation. Now, you tell me where the attention is. Nowhere. Attention is found nowhere. You're not going to gain any wisdom when we're so distracted. And we are a terribly distracted people to the point that medication is now being given due to the lack of attention that is not being given. I would say a good portion of the culture that's 40 years old and younger, at some point in their lives has been on some kind of attention deficit disorder medication. If they would have known about it when I was in kindergarten, they would have been popping some pills in me real fast. I'm just telling you, I spoke like E.T., I got stuck in the corner all the time. Some of y'all don't even know who E.T. is, some of the little ones. But the older ones, y'all know what I'm talking about. E.T. phone home, I could talk just like him. I could do it. Teacher chased me around a kindergarten room with my shoe during nap time because I was giving so much, I was, I was just a mess. Now today, that teacher would be fired. Anyway, I knew she was having all good fun. I was, I was a good student other than I was very rambunctious. You know, sometimes kids are going to be kids. They've got energy. Let's, anyway, I, I, could, I could get on to a whole other topic, but I don't have a... I got a good bit of time, but I got a lot of notes. When wisdom is available, be available. When wisdom is available, be available. If, you know, when we have meals on Wednesday nights, man, we've got a lot of wonderful, our wonderful congregants that come. Sit at a table with them. Ask them about their life. Sometimes people aren't all you know, ready and willing to open and share a lot of stuff. But talk to them. You could gain some wisdom. I mean, you look around this room. There are people who've experienced things that we'll never experience. And there's some things as younger people that we've experienced that they may never experience. That we can share and we can learn. We can gain knowledge and wisdom. And Solomon is saying this. And and I want to say, when wisdom is available, be available. In verse 2, the first part of verse 2 of chapter 4, a father's instruction should include doctrine. Verse 2, he says, for I give you good doctrine. I give you good doctrine. Doctrine is defined as teaching, but more specifically is teaching about God and the law. So right off the top, the first compulsion to men and to be received from sons and daughters is doctrine. Doctrine. Men, we should be studying to show ourselves approved, a workman not ashamed. And many of you, you maybe even heard that phrase before because it's been made popular by the program called Awana. A workman Approved, not ashamed. 
If you've ever seen that in churches, you've heard churches do, we do the Awana program. A workman approved, not ashamed. And that's what it stands for. And so we, we should be this way, men. We should be that workman. We should be speaking doctrine. Now, am I telling you this from someone who has been the best in my own family? No, I've not been the best. There's times when I've been really good. There's times when I've been really good. There's times when I've just fallen off the horse. It doesn't mean give up. It means keep going, keep trying, keep, keep pursuing that. Then we should be imparting this knowledge and wisdom down to our children and our wives. The Bible talks about men should wash their wives just as Christ uh, washes the church uh, with the word. We husbands need to be washing our wives with the word of God. That means speaking it over them, talking to them. Let's sit down and talk about that. That's imparting wisdom and imparting doctrine. So father's instruction should include doctrine. And fathers should have law. The latter part of verse 2, do not forsake my law. What does this mean? Does it mean that fathers rule with an iron fist? Maybe somewhat, but not completely, not completely. Fathers should know what they should know, share what can be shared, and retain what young ears don't need to hear. I fear in our culture today that our children hear way too much about adult stuff. They hear way too much about adult stuff. They don't need to know that stuff sometimes. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. How about this? Be careful, older mouths, in what you speak. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we've got to be mindful people about this. A father, a father should have law. Now, listen, I want you to understand this, too. Not every home has a dad and a mom in it. So some of this stuff you've got to understand. Hopefully, ladies, you're, you've gotten some good instruction from your dads. Because unfortunately in our world today, there's, there's a lot of single-parent moms. There's single-parent dads, but mostly, mostly single-parent moms. So when I say these things, don't, don't, mis don't misunderstand that I'm telling you that women should not be leading their homes if they're the only leader in the home. Take this in that sense as well. Because I know unfortunately in our culture today, that happens often. It happens often. So a mature, wise father or parent will know what their children can or should hear or be taught. A mature, wise father or parent will know what their children can or should hear or be taught. And when I speak of law, this is directly impact, impacting the home life within the home. Father's laws or parental laws should be known, reflected on regularly, and applied faithfully. Father's laws should be known, reflected on regularly, and applied faithfully. Because if you're inconsistent in the law of the home, children are not going to trust anything or know where the boundaries are. This is not a Father's Day or Mother's Day sermon. I'm talking about wisdom, but we need to be gaining this wisdom. We need to be gaining this wisdom and imparting this wisdom on down. And each home should have laws. And those laws should be modeled and built upon the Word of God, not opinions, popular culture, or your feelings. Because many a times we'll say, oh, well, I don't want to do that to my son or my daughter or this and do they Do they need instruction? Do they need wisdom? Do they need doctrine? Do they need laws? Yes, they do. You ask any school teacher whose child has come to church, has come to school that has never had any law in their home, there's never been any structure in the home, is difficult. Verses 3 and 4 of chapter 4. 
When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live. What I want to share from those two verses is this. Dads, we need to be a part of the training at young ages. We can't just divorce ourselves and say, that's mom's work. That's, that's both of our jobs to do that. To train up a child in the way they should go, honestly, that was more directed toward the men than it was even the women at that time. And it's like I talked about in our identity group uh, this past week. You know, it's not like it is today in the post-industrial age or the industrial age. Men, men and grandfathers from both sides used to work out in the fields right behind the house. They were basically in the backyard. And so when they came in, they all came into their own homes. And sometimes grandparents lived with the family, sometimes. And so you had all this wisdom being imparted. Any of y'all ever watched the Waltons? You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. Now, that's a little bit more recent, but it's the Walton's top living environment. And so you, you've got this wisdom that is able to be given. And so we, you've got that. And, and so dads, we've got to be, we can't be absentee. And when I say absentee, that doesn't mean just, you know, I, I'm talking about being present in all aspects. Wisdom has great sustaining power. Look at verses 5 through 9. I've already read that portion of Scripture, and you can follow along as I kind of uh, speak about each of these Scripture verses here. Wisdom has great sustaining power. Solomon says wisdom will preserve you. It's much like how when uh, years ago when people would get meat, they would pack that thing with salt. They'd rub salt all in the meat. They'd wrap it in paper, and they would keep it because it would preserve that meat because it was wrapped in salt. And see, this is what Solomon is saying is this. Wisdom, if wisdom is packed into you and wrapped around you, you'll be able to be preserved by the wisdom. But if you're not available to receive the wisdom, and if you're not someone who is teachable, you're going to have a really hard time in life. A really hard time in life. We need to be people, as, as believers in Christ, we need to be the most teachable people because this word always has something new to teach us. So we need to be in it. We need to be teachable. And we need to receive the wisdom from our generations that go before us. It's so important. And the difference between just information and wisdom is the power wisdom has to guide you and I in choices that are truly beneficial. Wisdom will guide us because we can say, oh, I remember talking to so-so. I remember talking to Brother Larry. I remember talking to Brother JL or, or somebody like that. And, and, and you can say, I learned this and I see where this fits right now. I see where this fits. So we should lift up the wisdom we have gained. And wisdom is not something to be garnered, gathered, and buried, but received, repeated, and rewarded. We should choose to create our wisdom as a heritage for the next generation. We should choose to create our wisdom as a heritage for the next generation. We should embrace wisdom. And we should embrace what the text says, which means we are to pull wisdom close and affectionately apply wisdom to our lives. Pull that wisdom close. Wisdom has sustaining power that creates a life of beauty and glory for those who choose to apply godly wisdom. Let's look at the second point, verses 10 through 13. This is the applying of a father's instruction. 
applying a father's instruction in verses 10 through 13. He says, Hear my son and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. So a father's wisdom makes for a life that is prolonged. I've seen those memes on the internet. Maybe you've seen them too. It says, you can't hurt my feelings. I used to bring the wrong tools to my dad. Or I've held the flashlight for my dad. You've seen those online. You know, um, and, and I want you to understand this. I, under, I understand that meme because I've done that. I've been there. I need a 9 sixteenths. I need a 7 twelfths. I need a 6 millimeter. I need a 10 millimeter. You know, come get me that. I, I, need a, I need a vice grip or I need some pliers. There's a difference between a vice grip and just a regular set of pliers. You know, you hear all these things, but I understand that. But dads are trying to teach. This is the thing. Dads are trying to teach in the middle of usually doing something dangerous or challenging when they're asking for those things, right? It's usually what's going on. And a, and a good father's desire is to pass along wisdom, but sometimes it doesn't come wrapped in a bow or with considerate language. I'm not saying foul language, but I said sometimes it's just not considerate. Uh, I'll never forget when my dad and I, my, my Chevy S10, the, uh, something happened in the engine. I can't remember what happened exactly. It threw a rod or something. So dad is underneath my S10, and uh, he, he's got the transmission propped up on his knee. And we're working and all this kind of stuff, and he's trying to get that fixed. And he's like, come down here and hold this flashlight this way and that way. And, and you know, he was never rude to me, but I was, I was down there, you know, and I'm trying to learn, and I'm just, I'm just amazed. My dad's holding up a piece of a car engine with his knee. You know what I mean? I'm just, you know, I'm just uh, astounded that, that he could do that. Of course, I don't know why I am. I've seen him do a lot more amazing things than that. But, but uh, you know, Usually when, when dads are trying to teach us something, uh, they're trying to teach us something, that, that a wisdom that we can have. Granted, I'd love to be able to tell you, I, I know how to put a seal on a transmission where the transmission meets the engine. I'd love to tell you I can do that, but I can tell you I don't, okay? You know why? Because we gave up on working on that engine. We took it to somebody else and somebody else put an engine in that thing. <laughs> somebody else put an engine in that thing. But uh, I was down there on the ground working with my dad because I knew he had something to impart with me. And I've worked with him on many other vehicles. Um, but I'd love to say that I know how to do stuff, but I don't. I'm, I'm, man, I, I wished that I was a better receiver of a father's instruction. And then I could be someone who, who applies a father's wisdom. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those tough things that... that uh, that I wish that I was better at. But a good godly father will know how to explain himself to give wisdom, even in those trying and difficult times. He'll know how to do that. Solomon states, I have taught you, I have led you. He says that in verse 11. I have taught you, I have led you. I hope we as dads and moms, for those that I've talked to, you know, there are many out there that are raising, raising their children, I hope we as dads and moms can state this very thing. I'm sure we failed in the past at times. We have. We all have. But today's a new day and we can start again. I have taught you. I have led you. Prayerfully, our children will have a much clearer path in their walk with, with Christ and in life than we did because we passed down the wisdom we had gained from generations ahead of us in our own successes and failures. 
We see that in verse 12. We can use that. Whenever you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. We have our portion in sharing wisdom, but our children have their part in applying the wisdom given. You know, unfortunately, we can share that wisdom all day long, and they can hear it all day long, but will they apply it? That's up to them. But let us not be people who don't share. Solomon wrote for them to take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her. Solomon is so adamant about his children retaining wisdom that he says wisdom is his life. He said, I fully believe that the lessons learned from each generation should be bundled up and given out to the following generation, one generation after the other. So many people, organizations, and churches die with their wisdom going to the grave because people have hoarded their wisdom for their gain, but to the destruction of the upcoming and following generations. We cannot, we cannot just keep what we have learned to ourselves and die with that wisdom and knowledge. We've got to pass that along. Something I've thought about is like, say for, even like, say for the personnel team, the budget finance team, and things like that, you know, grab a couple of younger folks, and they might not be the decision makers on the committee, but grab a couple of younger folks and just say, sit in on our committee meetings, when we have committee meetings, sit in on our committee meetings, hear how we process, how we go through things, so that that next generation can say, all right, well, I've kind of seen how this works, because you know, when, we, when people, when we put out the sign-up sheets, people say, well, I'd like to be on this committee. I'd like to be on this committee. And they don't really know sometimes what those committees even do. But if we could do like a, a junior committee or something, I mean, you know, I don't want to use that language, but something of that nature where we get a couple of other people on there. And in that way, if, if the time comes where you say, you know what, I'm just, you know, I'm burnt out on being on this committee or, or you know, I need to, you know, whatever, something happens, God forbid anything else more detrimental happens, you can say, these folks already have seen how we've done this. And so we could pass that along. And I ain't talking about it, it's got to be like 40, 50 years younger. It might be 10, 15, 20 years younger. Just somebody along the way so that they know the processes of how things work. And I think that's important to pass down that information. So I challenge us, church, if you have been on a committee, if you have been in leadership, if you have served, share your wisdom. And I understand that things change and methods may be adapted or people, organization, and churches die, but share what you know before there is no opportunity to share. Share what you know before there's no opportunity to share. Generations must bless the next generation with their wisdom or they will curse them by repeating the same things. Point number three, a father's instruction on avoiding the wicked. I'm going to try to move through these very quickly. Time is of the essence. Point number three, a father's instruction on avoiding the wicked, 14 through 17. He writes, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on it and pass on, excuse me. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. It's what they do. Solomon speaks the four ways to avoid the wicked. He says, do not enter their path, do not walk in the way of evil, avoid it, and do not travel on it. That's the way you avoid the wicked. Do not enter their path. You see it. You see the outcomes of their path. You see their mental health from their path. You see the destruction from their path. Don't enter it. 
Don't enter their path. Don't walk in the way of evil. You see or you have heard of their actions. Don't, don't choose that. Don't choose that. Wisdom, if applied, will guard and guide you from these paths and ways. And avoid it. Do not travel on it. Take the longer road. Don't take what looks like the shorter road. Inevitably, the shorter road will take you further away from wisdom and closer to destruction. Sometimes that shortcut, that short distance, isn't the best way to go. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6 says this. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And Solomon is saying the same basic things to his children right here. Don't do these things. Avoid the wicked. And the wicked desire more people to do wickedness with them. In verses 16 and 17, you see that. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. Listen, did any of you see the riots of 2020? I mean, we were all trapped inside the houses. We saw those things. We saw the wickedness that took place during all that mess, everything that happened, the destruction, the lack of concern for people or the people's businesses and the loss of life. You saw that on the TVs. There is more wickedness. There is so much wickedness in our world today. The states are choosing to allow the murdering of babies in the womb through nine months. Through nine months. I'm talking about this is a fully developed baby and they're trying to kill them. The allowing of children to decide their gender and having their young bodies damaged to an extreme that cannot be regained. That cannot be regained, folks, I'm telling you. Our children in elementary school and middle school are being told, you can have gender-affirming surgery. That cannot be reversed. And our country's leadership is saying, oh, it's okay. I mean, and listen, I don't like to always use political names, but Joe Biden said on a stage, I watched it, he said kids at seven years old should be able to choose if they want to transition from being a boy to a girl and a girl to a boy. This is the most insane wickedness I've ever heard in my life. Y'all have got seven-year-old kids. You've, got, you've had seven-year-old kids or seven-year-old grandkids or great-grandkids. They can't even make a decision if they want dinosaur Nuggets or regular chicken nuggets? Do you think they should be choosing their gender? No, this is wickedness. Wickedness. And it's being, it's being told, and if your kids have one of these, you better get them off social media. It's going to twist them and dement them and turn them from you, turn them from morality, turn them from Christ. It's there. I'm telling you, the wickedness of this world is way out there. I mean, this wickedness is so bad. There have been people doing all kinds of violent and murderous things across our country. 
Wickedness is running rampant in some states and our national government are legislating favorably toward this wickedness. That's what they're doing. There are constant trends and social media pushes that are directed specifically to children. Bypassing even high schoolers, trying to get children. But children, and and what they want to do, they want to confuse them in their minds. And this is a planned attack of wickedness against the Word of God. It's a planned attack of wickedness on the truth that there is a man and a woman. I'm going to tell you something. What happens in society If they start, I mean, like, they're to the point where they're, they're like, heterosexuals are evil. I, I'm telling you, we, we are in a weird place in culture. I mean, are these people so demented and so wicked that they don't understand if heterosexuals don't exist, society dies? Procreation. I mean, it, it just stops. We've been studying through Genesis in Sunday school. Be fruitful and multiply. It don't happen any other way. And they're trying to get to the kids younger and younger and younger and dement the minds and turn them to evil. And this is the work of Satan. Listen, don't get confused. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against principalities of darkness. And it's real. I'm telling you guys. Our world today has tried to make so light of, of evil, of demonic work and everything else. It's real. And we're seeing it from the top to the bottom in this nation. I was listening to the briefing with Albert Moeller. He, he's the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And Monday through Friday, he has a different podcast talking about uh, current events of this world and how to view them through a Christian worldview. And, and I want you to tell you, what's, this is so wild, and some of you may have even heard about it. I was listening to the briefing and with Albert Moeller, and the African Catholic Church is irate about the Pope trying to, and this is the language they use, to colonize them by pushing them to affirm and bless same-sex marriages. The African Catholic Church is having none of it. Man, we ain't doing this. I don't care if the Pope says so. The Pope's not God. The Pope's not the Word of God. Now listen, I know there are some Catholics out there that love the Lord. They love Jesus. And I believe there are some that's going to go to heaven. So don't hear me crushing on them completely. But I'm telling you, their, their, their belief system is getting whacked out because the, the Pope is utterly confused to woke ideology. Wickedness. Wickedness. I had a, I had a girl that I know she said that all of her friends that were homosexuals were going into clergy in the Catholic Church. I'm telling you, that's first-hand account. You may say, hold on, Pastor, you're being extreme. Am I? No. There is wickedness in this world today. When they're telling, when they're telling people that men that are 50 years old, can swim in a 13-year-old girl's swim meet and change clothes in a 13-year-old's room, uh, locker room. I'm telling you, this stuff's happening. This stuff's happening, guys. Wickedness. The perversion of the heart and mind of this world is being legislated into legality. It's filth. It's wickedness. It's what it is. 
Physicians, listen to this, physicians met from across the globe, led by Fauci and all these other folks and members, trying to come up with a vaccine for disease X. They don't even know what it is yet. They don't even know what this disease is, but they're preparing a vaccine for it. I guarantee you Pfizer was there. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't prepare for a disease with a vaccine. You can't do that yet. You know why? Because you got to have the disease to be a part of the vaccine. They're trying to prepare to something else. I mean, they, they already had COVID. Now, listen, you might say, Pastor, you're, you're a conspiracy theorist. Seems like every conspiracy I've ever had has almost come true. <laughs> so I can just be honest with you. These physicians met. They met globally. Flew in with all their carbon emissions. Flew in from where they're going from. And they flew in and had their meeting to talk about disease X, to come up with a vaccine for a disease that doesn't exist yet. Wickedness. Because they're creating it. All right. Verse 17 records they eat. These people that, that are all about this wickedness, they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. I believe it. And Solomon is telling his children to stay away. Stay away. I'm telling you, stay away. Stay away from wickedness. Our teenagers need to stay away from wickedness. They need to stay off these devices because they ain't nothing but making our minds numb. The social medias that are out there, you better be guarding those little eyes and those little hearts, I'm telling you. And it don't take much to see all the wickedness in this world today. They report on it at 4, 5, 6, and from 9 to 10.30 every single night. It don't take much. Look over at Birmingham. I mean, all it takes is turn on the news. Every single night, there's another murder somewhere in the greater Birmingham area. It's been in Bessemer. It's all over the place. I mean, it's, it's just the wickedness of this world is running rampant. We have to be people. We can't fix everybody, but I'm going to tell you something. We can start in our own homes, and that's what Solomon is telling us. He's telling his children, choose the way of wisdom. Listen to me, sons. Verses 18 and 19, I know I'm over. I'm going, to, I'm going to move through these very quickly. A father's instruction on contrasting choices. I don't want to leave us at a place of hopelessness, okay? <laughs> we can hear about all this weakness, weakness, uh, wickedness, and we can go, oh, but we have no hope. Oh, we do have hope. We do have hope. And wickedness is real. It's all around us, but so is Christ. And Christ is not, all, not only all around us, with us that have confessed Christ as Lord, He is within us through the Holy Spirit. So I don't want to leave you with hopelessness. Solomon shows that we should be people of the light, and he desires his children to be people of the light. In John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21, he, uh, Jesus spoke and said, This is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. He says that in 18 and 19. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines even brighter, ever brighter, until unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. DC Talk wrote a song many years ago called In the Light. And he says, I keep trying to find a life on my own apart from you. I am the king of excuses. I've got one for every selfish thing I do. 
What's going on inside of me? I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm my suspicions that I'm still a man in need of a Savior. I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heavens. Oh, Lord, be my light and be my salvation because all I want is to be in the light. The second verse goes like this. The disease of self runs through my blood. It's a cancer fatal to my soul. Every attempt on my behalf has failed to bring this sickness under control. Tell me what's going on inside of me. I despise my own behavior. This only serves to confirm my suspicions that I'm still a man in need of a Savior. I want to be in the light. I hope that we are in the light. And when I contemplate this point from Solomon, he's trying to persuade his children from the darkness to the light. He tells them the benefits of walking in the light versus the dangers of walking in darkness. Listen, I could give you a full-on illustration of, of, of trying to make a poor choice of literally walking in the darkness. A few months ago, I decided I'm going to get up out of the bed and check the thermostat. So I go down the hallway, didn't turn on the lights. Julie's getting ready for bed, and she says, could you check the thermostat? It's real warm in here. Or something. So I get up out of the bed, and I go check the thermostat. I come back down the hall. We have a kitty cat that sleeps in the hallway, okay? We've got a little piece about yay big, about 12 by 12, one inch thick. It's got a little ball on a spring and a scratching post. And I'm going to tell you, that thing's just high enough to catch that longest toe beside your big toe. And I kicked that thing about as hard as you can kick it. And then I wanted to throw it through a door. I was so angry. I wanted, but I had to control my emotions. I had to steward my emotions well. And I did not do a very good job of that for a moment. Julie talked me down because I was ready to throw it through that little holocore door that went into my son's bedroom. But it hurt. But walking in the darkness does not benefit you very much. And for those of us that have kids, if you've ever had kids with Legos, you know good and well. Walking in the dark is not a beneficial act. Same thing spiritually. When you walk in the dark, when you walk in the dark, you don't know what you're running into, what circumstances you're running into, or what people you're running into. You need to be in the light as he is in the light. We need to have this desire to, to be where he is, to be how he is. And God desires us to be in the light. He wants us to be that way. Let's look at the last point, point number five. A father's instruction, he emphasizes wisdom in verses 20 through 27. Solomon closed this proverb compelling his children to wisdom. He says, give attention, incline your ears, and don't let them depart from your sight and keep them in the midst or the depths of your heart. These are the four things he tells you to do with wisdom. Give attention. I've already talked about that at length. Incline your ear. Open your ears. Don't be hard-hearted is really what it's talking about. Soften your heart to receive it. Don't let them depart from your eyes. That means be in the Word. Receive the wisdom and keep them in the depths of your heart. I have written His Word on my heart so I will not sin against thee. That's where we need to have it. This Solomon outlines five ways to keep and gain wisdom. In verse 23, he tells us there of chapter 4, guard your heart. In Matthew 6, 21, in the New Living Translation, it says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So guard your heart. Secondly, per avoid perverse talk. In Matthew 12, 34, the New Living Translation says, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. 
Verse 25, look straight ahead. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. You see that, verse 25. Verse 26, he says, ponder the path of your feet and let your ways be established. Plan your steps. And those who fail to plan should be planning to fail. You're really planning to fail if you never uh, if you never plan ahead, you need to plan. Set goals, plan your steps, follow Christ, get wisdom, and move forward. In verse 27, do not turn to the right or the left. Remove your foot from evil. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. It's so easy. I've already talked about the struggles of distraction, but don't get sidetracked. No one drifts toward holiness or wisdom. You intentionally have to pursue it. And the wisest thing you can do today is confess Christ as Lord. 